Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Players Experience Podcast. On today's episode, we are welcoming in former pro women's hockey player Angela James. We're going to talk with Angela about her career, the challenges that she faced growing up playing hockey, what it was like to get into the collegiate level and challenges kind of throughout her entire career, but overcoming those challenges, really succeeding in hockey, and now her role as the GM for the Toronto Six pro women's hockey team uh, with the PHF. Uh, with that, before we bring Angela on, though, we want to, of course, thank our production team for all the work that they do each and every episode to make it as great as it is. As well, a big shout out to our sponsors. Make sure to use the discount code the Players Experience to get yourself something nice uh, using that code. As well, guys, if you haven't done it yet, it's time to subscribe to the channel. We're back with episodes, so we're excited to have you join and uh, join along the ride. So hit that subscribe button, ring the bell, so you're aware of any new episodes that come. Now, without further ado, let's bring Angela on to talk about her hockey career and what it's like to really grow in hockey and uh, set a landmark and a milestone for women's hockey players to come. Hey, Angela, how's it going today? Uh, good, Ryan. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, thank you for taking the time to be on the show. How are things going? Yeah, things are going. Uh, in the middle of a storm right now outside, but uh, things are really good. Just uh, finishing off a nice party last night here for my birthday, so that was a bit of a surprise, but things are going really well. That's great. Well, hey, happy birthday. Hope it was a good one. Yeah, yeah, it was a fantastic one. Awesome. Um, well, let's just hop right into it. I know you have a hectic schedule. Um, so the first question I wanted to ask you was, you got into the sport of hockey at a young age. How did the path of hockey begin for you opposed to wanting to play another sport like baseball, for example? Well, you know what? Funny enough, Ryan, um, I did play uh, a lot of baseball, a lot of softball in my younger days. And uh you know, when I was, when I wasn't playing hockey, I was playing softball. So I was, uh, uh, and if I wasn't playing softball, I'd be swimming. I would be doing all kinds of uh, sports as a young girl. Um, I didn't really just stay with hockey as, as much as hockey was my love, um, you know, in terms of opportunities to go play on the, the, the sheets of ice up on the, the pathways and, the outdoor arenas and uh, you know lots of opportunities there i loved i loved playing hockey but i also loved playing uh softball swimming i was a synchronized swimming and uh you know not for very long uh but uh hockey definitely was my love that's great and you were definitely good at it we're gonna get into some of the highlights and some of the challenges as well but i want to talk about a challenge first it was a challenge for you to grow up playing hockey um, through not only your background and your race, but the fact that there wasn't too many women's hockey teams around when you were growing up. Um, what was it like for you to like go through those challenges and then find yourself on the Newton Brooks Saints when you were 13 and just know that you would eventually overcome like the, the barriers, really? Well, you know, I was very fortunate that uh, I did have hockey uh, back then, you know, there wasn't a lot of women's hockey. And so I had to play above my age group, um, you know, growing up in uh, Fleming and Park, it was a pretty, pretty uh, tough neighborhood. And, and it was also a, an easy neighborhood to to get into a lot of trouble. 
So the fact that I had hockey as an outlet um, at that age, and, you know, it didn't matter to me who I was playing against. I just really loved the game. Um, you know, it was a, a true benefit to myself to, to you know, stay uh, stay the course sort of thing in, uh, in life. What was the biggest, um, like, opening for you, like, once you got on the Saints and, and really got in, into hockey? Like, what was the, the highlight moment for you at that point? Well, you know, I was able to play uh, with my best friend. That was uh, a lot of fun, uh, Carol Boyle at the time, Carol Law. And so, uh, you know, we always hung out and, and had fun together. And, and, you know, she kind of, she was older than me, so she was able to get me to the games because, you know, my mother didn't uh, drive. Um, but the Newtonbrook uh, Saints were, were really a lot of fun. And, and that was probably my first introduction of going and meeting new people outside my my neighborhood and and getting to know different people in uh in the world that it wasn't just uh in Fleming Park um no and that's great and I bet like we know how much those tra transit sucks in Toronto now I can't imagine what it was like back then <laughs> well yeah you know um we were just, uh, you know, actually, if it wasn't for my oldest sister getting me on the transit and taking me where I needed to go throughout my whole hockey career, I probably wouldn't have uh, even had one because uh, I wouldn't have been able to make the games. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, Newton Brook was uh, local as well. Um, so it wasn't as bad. And, it, you know, they're a very established league at the time. Um, and, um you know the 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 players there had been playing um, a little longer than when I I first started with the Annunciation, where it was more you know some girls had figure skates on. So um, when I left the boys hockey and and started in girls hockey, um, it was a great transition. Oh, and that's awesome! And like once you got to the collegiate level, you became a two sport athlete for Seneca when you I joined their softball team because um, you mentioned you played softball and also your the hockey team. In hockey, you led the league in scoring during the 1982-83 season when you would also be named the OCAA MVP. What was that season like for you to put in that time and effort and really see it pay off? Well, yeah, you know, um, when I first was uh, um, offered to go to Seneca College uh, back then, I didn't even realize that there was a school after high school. So that's how much... I was uh, pretty uh, naive and, and really not knowing too much about the world um, if it wasn't for my friend Mary Zettel who uh, recruited me uh, to go to um, Seneca College. Um, and at the time when she asked me to go to Seneca College, um, I was actually playing softball against her. So when she started telling me a little bit about it and uh, I, I thought I could go play ball, she goes, oh, we also have hockey. So I think she knew uh, what, uh, what she was doing. I certainly didn't know what I was doing, but, uh, you know, it was just up the street from, uh, where we lived at, uh, at the time, which was, uh, Shaughnessy and, um, you know, the Newnham campus was, uh, right there. So it was, it was easy. Uh, it was an easy fit for me to, to say yes and, and go and, uh, be at the time, uh, a scout. That's what we were called. They're now the sting. And, uh, yeah, I had uh, three great years at Seneca College uh, as a as a athlete, playing both ball, softball, playing uh, uh, ice hockey, but also 
officiating in the intramural programs and playing all intramurals. You know, I don't think I went to class at all. All I did was play sports. It was it was just right up my alley, and uh, <laughs> I was I was pretty happy about that. Hey, you know what? Me and you both. I went to Seneca too before I went to Durham College. I was there for two years for a college vocational program. And I may have missed a couple classes or two as well when they put the pool table in the main hall by the cafeteria. It was like you, winter just kept playing. And there was one day I just kept rolling and I was like, oh, I uh, class was half an hour ago. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if it wasn't for the staff at Seneca College, I would not have graduated. I know I just was having too good of a time uh, with all my friends and and, um, you know, as we got into the course a little bit, I, I really enjoyed it. And funny enough, I ended up working in the field for 35 years as uh, as a facility operator. So, um, you know what, uh, things kind of work in your favor in the long run. Definitely. Now, you would eventually play in four World Championship tournaments as well as two Three Nation Cups and an IIHF Women's Pacific Rim Championship all from about 1990 to 1999, winning gold at every single event. How was it for you to see your continued dedication to the sport uh, pay off? And which event out of all those had to be your favorite one? Well, it's a pretty loaded question, Ryan. Um, yeah, I, don't, I don't know what the <laughs> I do it. <laughs> you know, uh, it's 1030 in the morning. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I think that, um, you know, I was very, very fortunate to to win gold all the way through. And, uh, you know, it wasn't without adversity. You know, we had some adversity through there, but we had some really good teams. We had some awesome hockey players that, uh, you know, really brought it all the time when uh, we needed it. And, uh, um, you know, kudos to to the teams back then um, as it, we they continued to grow and uh, uh, continued to to get better and better and just better coaching, better preparation. I think that's key. Um, better equipment, better sticks. The sticks today, you know, these guys are using 20 flex, I think, and just shooting the puck like anything. But, uh, um, you know, back back then, uh, you know, we had we played with a lot of heart. And not to say that they're, they're not playing with a lot of heart, but these guys have a lot of opportunity now to to grow our sport and make it better. And uh, the the great thing is exposure of the women's game back then that's just branched off into so many areas, whether it was, uh, you know, just the, the organizations, the universities, you know, uh, both in uh, Canada, U.S. and uh, Europe. Uh, hopefully Europe's uh, catching on the North, uh, the European game is, uh, is growing. Uh, it still has to get better, but you know, I don't really think that we want them to get that much better because they're going to start beating us. You know, like everybody's like, Oh, us final oh, Canada final. We can't keep doing this. Yeah, we can. Like, you know, I get it, but you know, but uh, we've got uh, some Europeans now that are of our coming to North America. They're going to the NCAAs. They're going to the CISs. So we're all kind of mixing up. No different than the men's hockey. And uh, the growth of the women's game is uh, is just phenomenal. Um, I think that uh, the attitudes and the wants and um, of our game and development is is key. 
um, you're, you're seeing some pretty uh, special hockey players being developed and, and, and having an impact on our game and, and the youth and the children and, you know, the, the dreams are the seeds are being planted. And I think that's, that's key uh, for both young uh, girls and boys uh, to see uh, great hockey being played. No, and that's so true. It, it, like, just even looking over the last, like, few years, I know COVID obviously put a damper on things, but just seeing the development of, like, from 2017, 2018 to, to now and how much more growth there is with women's sport and with women's hockey. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're involved in it, so. Yeah. Um, now, after the majority of those tournaments ended, in 1998, I want to talk about the Nagano Games uh, that would see the first women's Olympic hockey team form, and along that with Canada's first team being announced in 1997, just a year before that. Through that came some controversy as you were left off the roster for those games. I wanted to see if you could speak about that scenario and what really went through your mind about like doing so well with the games and then unfortunately being left off the roster and what the mindset of not only yourself, but like your, your hockey teammates were going through, um, through that decision. Well, you know, Ryan, back then, you know, there's a, there was a lot of unknowns and, you know, there had to be some decision-making and, you know, the way I look at it is, um, People want to have their own mark on things that they do, whether it's coaching, administrating, or whatever. And so their direction is their direction, and there's not a whole lot that you can do it. So as an athlete myself, there's there's nothing I could have done. As said, that coach at the time made their decision. This is the direction that they wanted to go in. They felt that they picked the best team, and that was it. Um, you know, like I've had uh, senior senior administrations tell me that they wanted to go into a new direction. What direction that was, I have no idea. Um, the fact that I was left off, you know, that was their decision. Uh, you know, of course, at the time I was heartbroken and, and, you know, they went into the Olympics and they lost the U.S. that year. There's no way that they should have, but it wasn't just that situation that, uh, that year um, for myself was the only situations and adversities that the team was having to overcome. So that was the key is that, you know, you needed to have good leadership in there to make sure that those kinds of uh, um, adversities were, you were able to cope with and, and, and deflect and understand. And I think that those were some of the reasons why we lost that year. Um, the fact that, uh, and I remember always my, my uh, good friend, uh, Geraldine Heaney's father, Mike Heaney, said, listen, Ange, you should have been there, but I'll tell you, I don't think that anything that you could have did would have helped this team. So, you know, that I think that says a lot, and you know. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was very hurtful. You know, I was, uh, I was fighting some things back there as well. I had Graves' disease, and I didn't even know it because back then they didn't really – do a lot of checking on the athletes, you know, like, did you get your blood work done? No, nah, I'm not going to get my blood work done. I'm just going to go and continue to train and do this, you know. Um, but that's still still no excuse. And, you know, like if it was, uh, um, you know, as you know, as you're coaching now, 
when you have athletes that um, have been there and that, and then you, you don't have to go down to maybe the third or fourth line, you know, can they do it or can't they do it? Well, you know, today's world, you're going to communicate that with the athlete, you know, is your role, your role's this, your role isn't this anymore. Um, if that were the case, no, nah, nothing was said. So, um, but moving on, um, ended up with uh, having three kids after that, uh, a great life, uh, you know, so many, so many turnarounds in terms of uh, accolades and um, just a, a beautiful journey with my family and, and uh, as a result, and then, and I'm still, uh, I, at that time, I, I had a hate for the game, but I was able to get it back and my love of the game still, still, still stays today. No, and that's, thank you for sharing that because I think it's really just important to talk about the diversity in sport because a lot of times you don't see that like in media, right? And so it's important to share these stories and really highlight um, the the diversities and the issues that may be around the game, uh, no matter what sport, what league, whoever's involved, right? So, and talking about leaving your mark, you certainly left your mark because I want to go back to the 1999 Three Nations Cup where you were given a chance to join the team, which you did. And not only did you win gold, but you were the difference maker, scoring the winning goal to lead Canada to a 3-2 victory uh, in the shootout. After everything that took place with um, Nagano and, and what you just explained, what was it like for you to, again, make your mark and, and really show that true statement of your ability and uh, and your passion for the game? Well, funny enough, at the time, um, after Nagano, I believe uh, Shannon Miller uh, was no longer the coach and Mel Davidson was the coach. And uh, at the time, Mel Davidson brought me back uh, for one for one kick in the can just to see if I still had it. But I think Mel knew that my heart wasn't in it anymore. Um, but she did give me the opportunity, and I thank her for that. Um, so that was the this Pacific Rim, I think it was, up in Quebec City. And um, Christian, my my oldest, was just born. He was only six months, and so he was there. And uh, uh, it was a, a really great crowd and, and, you know, it was a great way to go, go out. And I wasn't really getting a whole lot of ice, but at the end for the shootout, uh, Mal put me out as one of the shooters, went out and, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to, to score a goal in that. That was great. It was, it was that, that was it. I was packing it in. I couldn't, uh, my heart couldn't do it anymore. Um, I couldn't go like back and forth and, and, you know, not knowing, you know, the direction of uh, of Team Canada and what they were doing and, and so on. So uh, um, I just kind of packed it in, went back to Toronto and uh, uh, played with the Arrows at the time. And I think we were playing some national teams and, and stuff and just having fun with the game again. Um, I was really glad that Ken Dufton and Colin McKenzie convinced me to stay with it. Uh, that's That was our club team. And we, we had a very good club team. And um yeah and then you know that was it but uh, uh just it, having uh, my six week old son there at the game and um uh knowing very well that there was life after hockey i think that's uh what was uh what was key for me right well it's also all about the experiences too right with sport and when you think like your time's coming up a, 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 in a career you want to reflect on all the positives right and uh, 
when we look back at your career, a lot of individuals look up to, again, one another, whether it's NHL players, women's hockey players, whoever it might be, and they want to be someone to strive for. You were referred to as the Wayne Gretzky of women's hockey during your time. How does it make you feel knowing you have such a, have left such a huge legacy in the game of hockey for women to come uh, down the road? Well, that's a, you know what, uh, when it was first happening, I probably didn't understand it. Um, and then afterwards, I realized that uh, it was a responsibility because it just kept coming at me and coming at me and coming at me. And and it wasn't just, just the hockey, but it was just diversity. It was inclusion. It was um, a BIPOC community. It was so many different errors that were coming together to to in terms of inclusivity and um as for as for myself um i think being there gone through it being at the top of the game now it's my responsibility as a leader as a role model for the young girls but more importantly to set up um a system and and an opportunities where the young girls can achieve to but also be able to dream and i think that's that's the key is young kids young girls and boys they they just want to dream you know like i always uh remember my oldest son you know as a peewee and i tell this story all the time you know coming home and he's in the front seat and he's playing ae and he's asking you know, wouldn't it be just awesome if he went number one draft overall? And to be saying that, playing AE, um, was just, uh, you know, a, an interesting thing and phenomenal things. And, and of course, you know, like, I'm not going to burst this bu bubble um, on that dream. And and I think that every young kid uh, have a, has a right to dream. And yeah, so as I grew and, and uh, went through a lot of different things and um, uh, anytime there was a platform that you could uh, advocate for women's hockey, um, that's what I was doing. Awesome. I just have a couple more questions for you. We, I can't go without asking about your work now outside of uh, being on the ice or behind the scenes a little bit as the general manager of the Toronto Six of the Premier Hockey Federation. What's it like for you to go from being on the ice to being behind a team, but really working to see the continued success of uh, women's hockey in the market and and really putting, again, a, a mark on um, putting a product out there? Yeah, so, uh, you know, being a part of the Toronto Six is, uh, um, is actually uh, another dream come true, and I didn't even know I was dreaming about it, so to speak. But it's funny enough because... Uh, I was coaching my uh, daughter at, with the North York Storm uh, during COVID, and uh, we were able to continue during COVID. And we were doing, you know, some skill sessions, and and I would see um, at the rink over at Canland York um, these players outside, and they were called the Toronto Six. And uh, I'm like, Toronto Six? Oh, I love that name. Like I'm a Toronto. I'm born. I'm a true Torontonian. I was born and raised in Toronto. So um, I said, oh, and then I recognized and I saw some, you know, I think I saw Mandy Cronin at the time she was managing and um, I just kind of uh, did my thing. And, but, you know, I just kind of kept an eye on and things on it and just wondering what it was. And it was just in its infancy. And uh, 
um, later that summer, um, I had a call from Digit Murphy and asking me, um, she was involved. And I, years ago, I took a junior team down and we played Brown University and Digit was uh, the coach there. And and so we got talking. And I was camping up in, uh, boy, I can't remember where I was camping. And um, she said, you know, are you interested in maybe joining our association? Um, and I said, uh, I just retired Digit. Like I've only been retired two weeks. <laughs> I need some time here. So um, um, anyway, we got to talking in that and uh, she kind of introduced me to the organization and and then I didn't really hear back. And then I, I, I heard and it said, oh, that they, they wanted to go in, in a, a, a different direction. I'm not even going to say that direction because that might irritate people, but it was men. Anyway, um, so later... Uh, Again, I was at a friend's cottage. I got a call from Mark Joslin. Mark said, hey, uh, Ange, um, I've just been given this team, Toronto Six, and I'd like you to come aboard. So I said, yeah, you know what? Perfect timing, Mark. I said, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life and uh, nothing like the T6. I said, uh, I've been watching it and I've talked to Digit and I think, uh, you know, yeah, I'd like to join. So I uh, worked with Mark. Mark was a great coach. Um, we did a lot of really good things. I learned a lot um as well um as an assistant coach i love that position by the way um i wouldn't trade that for anything um and uh we had a really great year last year we ran into some issues a little bit of hiccups uh going down to florida with uh COVID. we got hit pretty bad but uh, we we had a fantastic team last year and we have a fantastic team this year so um going then from from gm which is um um really un, uncharted territory for, for me uh, within hockey, but not uncharted territories for me as a sport administrator, because that's what I did for 35 years. So the whole concept of uh, business um, and organization and, you know, accommodations and things like that as part of the GM role was easy for me. The, the fact that we had a million dollar SAP, million dollar cap in Canadian funds that was all new and try and distribute, bring players in, negotiate, talk, um, you know, about our program. So it was it was difficult because I was trying to increase the the um, the, the the operation structure and the um, uh, the facilities and and the program structure on one hand, and then increase the talent and the, um, uh, the salaries, which was uh, phenomenal for me to be able to give um, girls, um, women, um, salaries of close to a million dollars this past season. Um, and uh, I, I was just, just d delighted because, you know, when I played, we were lucky if, if we didn't have to pay. And that was, that, was, uh, that was a special as well, that we didn't have to pay. But the fact that the girls have sticks and skates and locker rooms and facilities and benefits and all of those things coming into uh, this year. And uh, I know that you've heard the news uh, next year, those uh, salaries are even doubled. So we're going to be close to uh, $2 million Canadian uh, that we can distribute uh, to the players. And uh, that's only going to increase the talent pool and uh, increase uh, uh, the organization and, and the whole PHF as a whole, um, they're in the same boat and we're only going to get better and better in talent. 
you know, but with, with that comes expectations as well from the players. Um, but the support system that they have around, uh, we want to make it as seamless as possible and as easy as possible for them to do their job, to get better every day and to be able to bring it. No, oh, and that's great. And how, what's the best part about fans coming to a T6 game, for, would you say? Well, is the hockey. The hockey is very good. You know, I we've had some some NHL guys come and watch and uh, junior guys come and watch, and they are very, very impressed. And um, it only takes that. And then with the young girls that come and aspire to be one of those T6 players, um, you know, and of course, Kipling the bear. Like, who doesn't like a bear, right? Exactly. <laughs> Well, hey, for everyone watching, come out to the T6 games. They're back this year. So come out and help support because that'd be awesome. Absolutely. We're at Canland. Uh, we're at Canland, York. Every, for the most part, uh, our home games are Saturday and Sunday at uh, two o'clock. And um, as well as uh, you can catch it on ESPN and uh, TSN Direct. So um, if you want to be a T6 fan, uh, I would personally come out and uh, autograph anything you need if I can get you in the building. That's awesome. And Ange, my last question for you is, what would your words of advice be for the next generation of young hockey players that want to make a name for themselves, um, whether it's young girls in sport, um, young boys in sport or hockey, what would your words of advice be? Well, you know, definitely uh, work hard. Um, take advantage of every opportunity that you get. Um, I think that uh, play play multiple sports, diverse diverse yourself. Because when you go back into the rink, you know if you're on the ice, you know twenty five hours a week, thirty hours a week, you know you're gonna plateau. You're gonna just be even kill. You've got to be hungry for that for what you're getting. So go out, play some soccer, play some baseball. Play something else, uh, you know, that you enjoy outside of hockey. Yeah, do your skills, skill development, do your your sessions, but diversify yourself and have fun. Don't put pressure on yourself and just work hard. And if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. But, um, you know, keep working hard and dream, dream big. Angela, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to be on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, all the best with the uh, T6 uh, for the rest of the season. Thank you, Ryan, for having me.